Well, we do want to greet everyone and uh, give a special welcome to any who may be here today for the first time. Welcome to Risen Hope Church. Uh, we love to have guests. We love to have people visit. We realize you could be anywhere right now and you're here and we thank God for that. And we would love to uh, extend our greeting to you with just a little bit of applause and uh, through our ushers giving you just a packet of information about our church. So if you are here for the first time, would you please just raise your hand and our ushers will, will find you. Uh, keep it up if you would. There's... One over here to my right, right here, right there, and a couple in the back. Thank you so much. Uh, there, there's a card inside of uh, that uh, packet of information, a guest card. If you'd be kind enough to fill that out, and uh, uh, you can put it in the box, that the white box that's on the wall in the back there as you're leaving, uh, and uh, that'll give us a chance to know that you were with us. So thank you for coming. As we continue in our worship here, um, I want to um, remind you that it is our worship, it is our sacrifice of praise to, to give uh, to the Lord and to the work of his kingdom, both here and around the world. So through our tithes and offerings, we, we worship the Lord and we thank him for all that he has given to us and done for us. If you're a guest, we are not looking for you to uh, give to our offering. We're just glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Uh, but if you are a member or a regular attender of the church, want to encourage you to give, uh, you can give online. Just go to our website, risenhopechurch.org, um, or you can mail it to uh, the church here, 1001 Washington Avenue in Prospect Park, or you can put your offering in that back uh, white uh, box as well. Just a couple of announcements, two or three of them here that uh, we need to highlight, want to highlight for you. Uh, as you came in, you, many of you, if not all of you, received at least a small handful of invitation cards to our Christmas season events. I uh, want to encourage you to hand those out to others uh, and let's fill this place in some of these events that are coming up over the next few few weeks. Among those events that we want you to mark down on, on um, December the 12th, that's a week from today, we are actually going to receive a special offering um, that is going to go to the expenses for all of our holiday season uh, events and outreaches and ministries. And uh, we would you know, really appreciate it if you're able to give beyond your normal uh, tithe and offerings some extra uh, to help cover these events. Uh, that would be uh, wonderfully appreciated. So again, we'll do that next week. And uh, uh, for logistic purposes, if you're inclined to do that, uh, it might be best to give via check for that uh, and just be ready to bring that with you next week. Among those events, Saturday the 18th, we're going to have our first uh, Christmas carol sing-along and special night of concert. Uh, we want to, yeah, this, 
This is going to be a wonderful time, and the place is going to be beautifully uh, decorated, and we're going to hear Christmas music from a variety of cultures and background, and then just sing together uh, the great Christmas songs of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that'll be on December 18th, on Christmas Eve. We will be having a Christmas Eve service uh, as well, and as well as each Sunday between now and then, and including the Sunday right after Christmas, uh, our messages and our music will all focus on the birth and life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, want to also remind you that a week from today, we will be doing uh, more of the Saturate uh, community outreach. You'll want to see Bill Davis for that, sitting right over to my right. Uh, if you're interested in serving in that way, please see Bill. And then finally, by way of announcement, um, we do have another baptism scheduled for Sunday, December 26th. And so if you have never been baptized in obedience to Christ and as an expression of your faith and testimony uh, in Christ, then this is a great opportunity for you. Please, uh, you can go to our website again and register there, or you can talk with one of the pastors um, at any point, and we will help you in that regard. Going to dismiss the kids to Promise Kingdom. I actually remembered to do that uh, here. Uh, and uh, thank you, Promise Kingdom workers, for serving so faithfully. Children, we love having you with us, and we're glad you have this opportunity to, to be together as well. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, our brother Rick is going to come and minister God's word to us. So let's, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us back together. Thank you for your sustaining grace in each one of our lives. Father, I pray for the children as they now hear your word in, in ways that are aimed at their young hearts. I pray for saving power and grace to come into each one of their lives. I pray for us, Lord, as we hear your word preach that, Lord, the word would have power and that Jesus would become all the more precious and all the more wonderful to us. For, Lord, in a world like we live in, if we do not have Jesus, what do we have? Father, in a world like ours where those born and unborn are so unjustly treated so very often, what hope do we have if not in Jesus, who will make all things right? Lord, would you give us grace in this world to live faithfully? And would you, would you Lord, advance the cause of truth and grace and justice and righteousness in our generation, by the wonder of the gospel, by the power of the word, through the ministry of the church. And Lord, would you please now, would you please bless our brother as he comes and ministers your word to our hearts. May the spirit of God be poured out upon him and through him touch our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Just in case you heard that little amen, that's my daughter. She's learning the gospel already at the age of two. Amen. So good to have Tim back with us. Praise the Lord for you, man. Still praying for your health. So if you have your Bibles, could you meet me in Matthew? Matthew chapter 2. Starting in verse number 1. good to be with you on this Sunday. I'm reading from the ESV translation, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen rose, went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I want to preach on the topic, finding Christ in Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. And I pray that, Jesus, you would be exalted through your preach word. Even now, in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus, everyone say amen. amen. So as we take another break from our series in Colossians, we call attention to this Christmas season. There's a range of emotions we feel from anxiety to excitement. As we make preparations for family dinner, making last-minute purchases for gifts, or running errands for simple things that we probably forgot. I realize that for some people, Christmas might invoke sadness as you battle with loneliness or grief. Yet I notice that it's easy for, for us to get caught up in the hassle of all the preparation 
and miss the whole point of Christmas in the first place. It's easy to get bent out of shape and stressed out over preparations and miss the purpose of the occasion. I know it's true for me. You know, when I have to make that Jamaican jerk turkey and rice and beans. (laughs) Or do that last-minute shopping because I'm a last-minute shopper. I don't know about you. I get it. We're getting ready to celebrate that beautiful time of the year. But if we're honest with ourselves, we often miss Christ in the Christmas. So how do we rediscover Christ in Christmas? Thank you for asking. I want you to travel with me back in time and space to the first Christmas, B.C. 1, in the little town, the little rural town of Bethlehem, five miles south of Jerusalem. It was in this historical location that God descended from the lofty heights of his glory, wrapped himself in the dust of humanity, stepped down from eternity into time, miraculously conceived in the Virgin Mary, enduring six months of, I'm sorry, nine months of darkness in the womb, and then was born into further darkness as he entered into a broken world that he had created. A world that is shot through with sin and godlessness. And as Matthew opens his account with the genealogy leading up to the virgin birth, which is meant to make us wonder. For the birth of Christ is God's deliberate way of getting our attention. Just like the burning bush, it is intended to draw you in. Because you cannot resist engaging with it. Even if your first response is, what in the world is this? Wow. God becoming man? You see, Matthew concludes chapter 1 with this shocking fulfillment in the Old Testament. Verse 22 in chapter 1, he says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, the wise man here reveals to us in chapter 2 what we need to find Christ in Christmas. And once we find him, what we ought to do from there. Number one, make plans to find Christ in Christmas. Look at these first two verses. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? You see, these wise men known as the Magi were so in tune with the details of Christ's birth that they asked a very important question around Christmas. These individuals were filled with anticipation and excitement as they made their journey to Jerusalem, They had the joy of hearing about the the birth of Christ that broke 400 years of silence. They asked the question, where is he who was born king of the Jews? It is rather strange to have 
some wise men who were Gentile astrologers from the east asking this question, especially since Matthew is writing to a, a Christian Jewish audience. Do you see what Matthew is doing here? Matthew is revealing the God of the universe, Emmanuel, is, is breaking down the distinctions between the outsiders and insiders, the Jews and the Gentiles. In other words, the gospel is for everyone, every tribe, nation, and tongue, as Matthew reveals in chapter 28. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Yet this question is the kind of question that all of us should be asking in this season. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? It's funny that we can turn on the television right now and watch all the favorite Christmas cartoons and the classic movies. You know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Miracle on 34th Street, The Polar Express, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I used to love watching these movies growing up, and I still do. No doubt because our hearts are warm and they bring us into the Christmas spirit. These movies embody the values of caring and sharing, warmthness and giving. But now that I'm older, thinking in retrospect, you will not find a cent the central story of Christ's birth in any of these films. Why? Because it's so easy to become indoctrinated by the subtle influence of the world that it's really not about Christ. It's about the warm fuzzies of anticipating and exchanging gifts and spending quality time with family over dinner. That's it, period. Certainly Christmas can translate into those activities. But Christmas is much more than that. Christmas should be a time to reflect on and celebrate the birth of Christ. But it gets overshadowed by the stress of rushing out to Target and Walmart and Costco's to buy lots of gifts and put them under a tree. And it's certainly possible to miss the whole point of Christmas if you feel peace only when you're done with all the decorating, shopping, and wrapping, and presenting all the gifts, not realizing that someone is strangely missing from the whole equation. You see, a little girl was pushing the limits of her mother's very last nerve, and mom was nearing the end of a hectic season of cooking and cleaning and shopping and wrapping gifts and church stuff, and she was nearing the breaking point with her little preschooler. And finally, the little girl was bathed and ready for bed. And as she knelt to, to say her evening prayer, she customized it. This little theologian, three years old, she customized her prayer. And she says, she said, and forgive us our Christmases, even as we forgive those who Christmas against us. Wow. What had her mom been modeling before her? She missed the point of Christmas. You see, Christmas without Christ is, is really a contradiction in terms. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as celebration without Christ in Christmas. 
But we need to ask ourselves this fundamental question. Where in the world is Jesus? That's what these wise men were asking. And it's very easy for us to get bent out of shape when Jesus is not the reason for the season. Anytime you can't wait for Christmas to be over with, you miss the point of Christmas in the first place. Amen? So ask yourself the question, where is Jesus? Where is he who was born king of the Jews? Now listen, Satan is a master at counterfeiting important events in the lives of God's people. Matthew introduces this dangerous foe in chapter 4 of this book, and so many people are distracted from the pure simplicity of the gospel as revealed in this Christmas narrative, the celebration of Christ. Consequently, Christmas for many has become so complicated and convoluted, but definitely not truly celebrated the way Christ intended to be celebrated. See, the plan is to find Christ in Christmas, and when we have found him, our mission is clear. Like these wise men, they have come to worship him. Look at verse 2. They asked, where is he who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. You see, the Magi... Well, these wise men were so in tune. By contrast, King Herod was so hostile in his reaction to the birth of his newborn king. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Actually, that's almost an understatement. He was furious. You see, Herod the Great was so cruel and unpredictable that when he was upset, everyone was afraid. If you study the history of this man, you'll understand why he wanted to get rid of Jesus in the first place. The Christ child posed as a threat to King Herod's throne. Herod was named King of Judea by the Roman Senate in 40 BC. And within three years, he crushed all of his opposition, all opposition to his rule. He hated competition. History tells us that he was wealthy and politically gifted, intensely loyal, and an excellent administrator, and admired by even his foes for his famine relief program and building projects such such as the temple in 20 BC. Yet he struggled with acceptance because he was not authentically Jewish and did not possess legitimate right to rule as Israel's king. Even worse, he loved power, inflicted incredible heavy taxes on the people, and resented the fact that many Jews considered him a usurper, simply a power grabber. Herod was so cruel and malicious that ancient history records him putting to death several of his own children and some of his wives whom he thought was plotting against him. He was paranoid. Given the kind of man he was, you can see how he wanted to get rid of Jesus on Christmas. He was the real Grinch who stole Christmas, or tried to. But notice here that the celebration of Christ took place in the midst of hostility and horror. This all-consuming plan of Herod to get rid of Christ eats up most of the verses in this chapter. Verses 3 through 8, the first portion 
and verses 13 through 22 forms a bracket around the celebration of Christ's birth. Sandwiched in between the chaos is the worship of Christ, as we will see in a moment. Verses 3 through 8 reveals to us Herod's plan A to pretend like he wanted to join the wise men in worshiping the newborn king of the Jews and then switch and have the boy killed once the wise men reported back where he was located. But God had other plans. Verse 7 tells us that King Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And when he sent them to Bethlehem, he said, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. The devil is a liar, and so is he. He's a father of lies. However, plan A fell because the wise men received a warning by God in a dream not to return to King Herod. So what does he do? He goes into plan B mode. He commands his men to do the unthinkable. Go throughout the entire village of Bethlehem, which is a small town, and slaughter every child aged two and under with the hope that the Christ child would be destroyed. But thank God it didn't happen that way. That the Christ child was not destroyed, but but many people, many kids were slaughtered and many mothers were grieving. You see, the first Christmas was a time of celebration to acknowledge the birth of the newborn king of the Jews. But it was also a time of unspeakable horror and grief, pain and suffering at the bloodshed of innocent children. The scripture says Rachel is, is weeping in the loss of her children, for she refused to be comforted because she, they are no more. Verse 18. And even as I, as I preach, I acutely, I'm acutely aware of members within this congregation who are stricken with grief and the loss of loved ones due to COVID-19 and other health-related issues. Christmas can be a time of joy for many people, but also it's a time of pain for others. So while we sit with loved ones to laugh and play and eat dinner, there are those somewhere out there in the world that are slumped over in tears with broken hearts. Let's remember them and lift them up in our prayers and pray for them and support them during this season. See, even though the wise men were so in tune and Herod was so hostile, Others were so indifferent to the good news of the Messiah's birth. Look at verse 3 through 8. Take note of the reaction from King Herod's uh, religious advisors and those who had precise knowledge of where the Messiah was to be born. Look at verse 3. When he heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And he gathered together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked them, where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You see, the chief priests and scribes who function as Herod's key advisors were so knowledgeable of where Christ's birth was located. 
but they were totally out of touch with this coming king. And in fact, these experts immediately identify where the Messiah was to be born based on Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But it was the Gentiles who actually worshiped him first. These were supposed to be God's people, the insiders, students of the Torah and the covenant promises. They knew the word of God, but somehow they had lost sight of the God of the word. And I find it ironic here that the Gentile wise men had come from afar. These Jews were not even checked next door. And from this text, we see that they were so indifferent to the news of the Messiah. They did nothing about the report that the Magi brought. And it's not that they didn't know. They did not struggle with, I don't know and I don't care. No, they struggled with, I do know and I don't care. Their real struggle wasn't knowledge. It was unbelief. They were blinded by self-righteousness and too spiritually complacent to travel five miles to see what the Old Testament had been prophesying for over 750 years. Later we learn that these are the predecessors of the Sanhedrin who will form the plot to kill Jesus later in this narrative. You see, the religious leaders were indifferent to the coming of Christ because of their unbelief as Matthew unfolds in later chapters. So in our plans or in your plans to pursue Christ this season, keep in mind there will be people who are in tune with Christ. Draw near those folks. Fellowship with them. Be strengthened by them. Feast on what they're feasting on. But then there will be others who are hostile to Christ. Pray for them. Pray for those who are against Christ, who are hostile to Christ. And then there are those who are indifferent to Christ. Be an example to those those who are indifferent to him. So as you find Christ in Christmas, only God can navigate your pathway, number two. As you find Christ in Christmas, only God can navigate your pathway. Look at verse two and nine. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I could imagine astrologers like these wise men love to study the stars. They built their whole lives around the subject of the stars. They were looking intently at the stars for days and mesmerized by a phenomenon up in the sky. Wait a minute. It looks like a star. No, wait. It's more than a star. This is no ordinary star. This is a supernatural light. It was like God's pillar of fire that burned through the night, leading the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. This was a Shekinah glory of God. And now it was navigating these Gentiles, these wise men, to Christ, the newborn king of the Jews. Wow. Look at God's amazing grace. The gospel is for everyone. John tells us that no one can come to Christ unless the Father draws them. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen had rose and went before them 
until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Here's the principle in this, as I studied it. Work with the light that God has given you, and he will give you more light that will lead you to the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus tells his disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for him who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him. Matthew chapter 13, verse 11 through 13. You see, the Magi here was working with the supernatural light that God gave them to lead them to special revelation of God's prophetic word in Micah when they asked the question. Then ultimately, this special revelation leads them to Emmanuel, God with us, the babe in the manger. So my question to you this season, what, what word is God given you in this season of your personal quiet time with him. The scripture says that when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Could it be that these Gentile believers were onto something about Christ? That as we've been learning in Colossians, that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That in him, dwells all the fullness of God bodily. You see, once you arrive at your destination, rejoice and drop down and worship. Worship Jesus. Because this celebration is all about him. You see, this is is an appropriate response we should give our Lord this Christmas. Notice here what it says, that when they saw where the star had led them, Look at verse number 10, that when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Wow. The songwriter said, fall on your knees and hear the angels calling. Notice here, there's a period between the worship and the giving of gifts. In other words, before you open those gifts this Christmas, spend time worshiping Christ. No, seriously, because there's a period there. Before they gave the gifts to Christ, they worshiped him, period. Because Christmas is all about worshiping and glorifying and lifting up and magnifying Christ. Rediscovering Christ in Christmas creates a burst of joy and excitement that cannot be contained. Certainly these wise men were bowing down and and paying homage to or tribute to the king of the Jews. Their example of adoration and worship alludes to the prophetic fulfillment of Psalm 72 verse 8, which says that he will have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth, may desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick his dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Siba and 
Sheba bring gifts. May all the kings fall down before him. All the nations serve him. It is certainly reminiscent of the outsider, Queen of Sheba, who traveled far with her entourage, bringing gold and abundance of spices as gift to King Solomon to pay homage to him as the wisest man to walk the earth in her assessment. But we must go deeper. These men were not merely paying homage or prostrating themselves before the Christ child. They were acknowledging someone more than Mary's baby or the babe in the manger. Jesus is not merely the king of the Jews. He is king of kings, Lord of lords. He is God wrapped in the flesh. The theme of Jesus being worshipped is laced throughout Matthew's gospel. Jesus is worshipped at his birth and he is worshipped after his resurrection in Matthew chapter 28. So when we rediscover Christ in Christmas, falling down on our knees and worshiping him is the most appropriate response. But we are worshiping Emmanuel. Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. And in the actual Hebrew translation and quotation is that in Jesus, God came right where we are. In Jesus, God came right where we are. Emmanuel, God with us. In fact, he concludes this book in chapter 28. He says, go, preach the gospel to all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am what? With you always, even until the end of the age. You see, this is very God of very God, did something that staggers the human imagination. God, the Son, became the Son of Man so that the sons and daughters of man can become the sons and daughters of God. That was the price that God was willing to pay. One writer said it this way, there is nothing vague or ambiguous about the human love letter from God. Jesus is concrete in a human body. And he allows God and humans to meet. This is the king of kings. This is the God in the flesh. Fall down on your knees and worship him. Period. I love the song that was sung earlier. That he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. He shall reign forevermore. Unto us a child is born, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He shall reign forevermore, forevermore. If I were a wise man, if I would travel far, if I were a shepherd, I would do my part. But as poor as I am, I will give him my heart. It's powerful. I started a new practice some years ago with my family and encouraged everyone in the house at the time to refrain from opening gifts. Let's just spend some time worshiping Christ, lifting him up. There's going to be time to open those presents and partake of food and spend time with people that you haven't seen in a while. 
But this time you want to just give over to God. Just, just read one of the narratives. So I, read, I read a narrative, the birth narrative, either in Matthew or Luke. And I know people or their eyebrows start turning up. Oh, here we go again. Want to be religious during the Christmas. But just read it anyway. And when you're finished reading it, spend some time praying. There are going to be people that are unchurched, unbelievers, in your house when you're gathered. Read it anyway. They may, they may have some questions for you. Uh, they may not like it. Okay? But do it anyway. Challenge people to think about rediscovering Christ in Christmas. This is an pro- appropriate time for us to express gratitude and worship. It's the time for us to break out the worship music. Amen. To crack open the scriptures and to bathe ourselves in his radiant presence. Worship him, period. And after the worship, look at what these wise men do next. Look at what they do next. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's look at the meaning of these gifts. And although Matthew does not go into detail or or explanation as to what these gifts meant when they gave them to Christ, these gifts were not pointless. When they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Each gift given by these wise men, had a special meaning attached to it. According to the Old Testament, gold was presented to kings. Frankincense was an expensive incense used by a priest in worshiping God. Could it be that they were bringing, okay, this gold to acknowledge Jesus as king and bringing this incense to acknowledge him as God? But notice here, myrrh is the final one that's mentioned here. Myrrh was actually used to preserve the body of dead people. This was a spice that was used in embalming the body of Christ when they buried him before he rose. Could it be that myrrh here is representing Jesus as a suffering servant, according to Isaiah chapter 53, that he was actually born to die in order to absorb God's punishment for our sins by dying on the cross. Pastor Tim said earlier that that Christ was born to be a sacrifice for us. You see, these wise men may not have known all the details around these gifts and what they meant, But providentially, they were giving gifts that were related to the gospel. Jesus was born to die so that we can become born again. My question for you this season is this, as we wrap this up. What gifts are you bringing to Jesus on this Christmas? I know Christmas is not really December 25th. But what gifts are you bringing to him in this season? Because some, some people say, you know, Christmas is not just one day. Christmas is every day you contemplate the incarnation of God. 
What gifts are you bringing to him? Maybe, maybe you want to bring him your time. Maybe you want to spend more time with him this, in this season. Maybe, maybe you want to bring him your talents and you haven't really been using your gifts for him. You want to bring him your, your talents and your time. Or perhaps you've been struggling over bringing him your treasures. And so this season you're going to be thinking about and praying about bringing God your treasures. Or maybe you're not in, in a position to actually bring him anything but yourself. It makes me think about that verse 2 in that song. If I were a wise man, I would travel afar. If I were a shepherd, I would do my part. But poor as I am, I will give him my heart. (laughs) Maybe you're in a place right now not to give, but to receive. To receive the greatest gift known to mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only unique son that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Are you ready to receive this gift if you don't know him? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yet none of this really matters if we don't listen to what God tells us to do. Look at verse 12. And after being warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. After you open your gifts, reach out and touch someone with the love of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to find Christ in Christmas this season, You really don't have to look far. For God so loved this world that he broke into it. He wrapped himself up in the greatest gift in the person of his only unique son, Jesus Christ, wrapped himself in flesh and bones and gave himself as a gift to us, not under the tree, but on a tree. 2,000 years ago, the gift was wrapped and nailed to a tree for us even though people kept taunting this gift to come down, he would not come down. And I'm so glad he did not come down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and love you for your word. It is eternal, it is living, it is powerful, and sharper than a double-edged sword. May it pierce our hearts this season, Lord God, as we reflect on what you accomplished for us at Calvary but help us to think back to to your incarnation, that you became human so that we, Lord God, would be able to become like you. We pray, Lord God, that you will allow this word to manifest fruit in our lives for your glory and your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let me... Can we, can we just stand for the benediction? Amen. I'm going to read from Philippians, which is a very powerful uh, passage in the Bible that is so critical for us to think about during the season. But I want you to go with, with, in peace thinking about these words and meditating on these words. 
Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse number 5. Have this mind among you, or among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen, and go in peace. Let's praise the Lord. Amen. Amen.